1: This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment. Have you shopped the clearance section on the Tallman Equipment website? When the folks at Tallman need to make room on their warehouse shelves, that means big savings for you guys. From power tools to dynamometers and much more. Check Tallman Equipment's clearance page on their website at www.tallmanequipment.com. Shop clearance and save some big bucks today. Goalie Ashwa gummies. You can find them at goalie.com. These gummies are a holistic, non-habit-forming approach to help you relax, restore, and unwind. They are made with ashwagandha, which is classified as an adaptogen. These adaptogens are a select group of plants to help your body cope with stress. Studies have shown that KSM-66 ashwagandha reduces levels of cortisol, the stress hormone. Use our promo code to show up that foundation to get 10% off your order. And last but not least, Zenderance. Their products are designed to maximize your health. At Zenderance, they strive to support and have a positive impact on the wellness of every hardworking dad out there. They use proven, clean, and accessible products to make an impact on your health and performance. Use my code THE show up dad and get 10% off your next purchase. For more info, go to www.zendurance.com. That is spelled X-E-N-D-U-R-A-N-C-E.com. Thank you. Welcome to Show Up Dad Podcast, where our mission is to improve the well-being of children by increasing the proportion of children growing up with an involved, responsible, and committed father. The Show up Dad Foundation is a 5013C organization that encourages dads to become more than just a paycheck. Today's guest is Jeremy Gardner. He is the owner and founder of Blue Collar Transformations. He is the father of three kids, and prior to starting his own business, he was an oil-filled ham for five years, where his journey began transforming his physique into what it is today. He created this program working 80 to 90 hours a week, and is here as living proof that fitness readiness does a body good. He is bringing hope to all the blue-collar dads out there that say they don't have time to work out. Welcome to the show, brother.
2: Thanks, David. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Absolutely, bro. Well, like always, I always like to ask our guests if they can share with us their relationship with their father.
2: So uh, my relationship with my dad, man, uh, I guess the best word for it is is real
1: because
2: mm-hmm. um, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't always good either. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was eight years old. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, my mom, uh, I have, I have two really good parents on both sides but they cannot get along with each other to save their lives. Um, And if you ever met the boat, if you ever met both of them separately, it would make total sense. It's like, how did these people even end up in the same room long enough to have kids together? But that's beside the point. Um, They're both great people. Mm -hmm. Uh, So (laughs) anyway, (laughs) uh, my dad, whenever him and my mom split up, my mom actually moved in with like her best friend and stuff. And she had kids that were the same age as us. So we would go over to my mom's uh, like at the beginning of this, it was just a party, right? Because yeah, we're sleepover with our with our friends and we're eight years old, so we don't it's just a fun time. Meanwhile, yeah. back at that back at my dad's uh, you know, single dad now, he's lost, he's confused, he doesn't know how in the hell he's gonna handle these two kids that are a year apart, so I have a younger brother. Um, mm-hmm. at the time, it was the only brother I had. I'm the oldest of Seven now through all kinds of different blended uh, siblings. But um, mm-hmm. my dad and I have clashed heads a lot because uh, I've always been kind of a hard headed one that wasn't afraid to say what I thought, literally, from the time that I could talk, I feel like. And think yeah. uh, it stopped me from standing up to my dad. But uh, the, re- the relationship was definitely rocky. I got in a lot of trouble. Um, I'm only five foot three, so I was bullied a lot in high school. And I wasn't okay. always in shape either. So I got in a lot of fights in school, um, didn't get good grades, things like that. And my, my dad was, uh, you know, on me to, to fix those problems. And I wasn't okay with it. So there was a lot of, you know, back and forth and stuff. But now as a father myself today, and as a grown man, I look back on all those times um, where, you know, my dad and I really had it out. And even when I was a young adult, there was a period of time, I think when I was like 21, my, my dad and I didn't even speak for a uh-huh. uh, pretty long period of time um, over a, a big argument that we got into. And um, I look back now and like, I, I actually feel really, really bad about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because <laughs> to be honest, I can't even tell you a hundred percent what it was over. And, um, you know, I look back now, I see all these kids that grow up without dads and, and just what a, a shit show life can kind of be for some of them and don't understand how yeah. to navigate those waters and, and it just makes me so grateful that I had a dad that was there that, that he tried. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he wasn't perfect at all, but the greatest gift that my dad gave me was he was proof that you didn't have to be perfect. Wow. You could, and you could still make it. Um, because you know, today my dad is, uh, you know, great grandpa uh, to my kids and mm-hmm. just is a, he's a different man than he was when I, when I was growing up and, and he'll admit that. And, um, It's that in and of itself is like, I feel like the best thing, the best gift that any father could give any kid Mm -hmm. is, you know, just if you screw up, be real, and then do the work to fix it right in front of their face. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself is going to give them the hope to believe that no matter how bad they screw up, there's always going to be hope to come back because I watched my dad do it. Mm. You know? So that's kind of the race my relationship with my dad in a nutshell. I
1: I feel like, (laughs) Dude, that that's freaking amazing that you said that. I've never heard anybody put it in that perspective. Uh, proof that dads don't have to be perfect. You know, that's something that we say on on the podcast. That's something that I talk to other fathers out there, and they always ask me, to, you know, Dave, I messed up again. And I always tell them, right, hey, you know what I mean? A bad moment isn't a bad life. Mm-hmm. But to hear you put it in that perspective that dads don't have to be perfect, be perfect to be a gift, You know, I mean, that's awesome. Um, There's statistics like crazy through the National Father Initiative that say that the presence, just the presence alone of a father, you only have to be a good dad, is, you know, significantly better than a father who's not there. Like your grades are better, uh, the likelihood of you going to prison drops significantly, uh, you know, the likelihood of you becoming pregnant as a teenager, you know what I mean, goes down and everything just from you being there. So can you imagine if you are a good dad and you're you're actually, you know what I mean, putting in the work?
2: Well, and then it's the reverse that, what, yeah. that statement you just said. I look back and all those things you just said. I mean, I was the kid that was on the line mm-hmm. and could have literally one gust of the wind mm-hmm. could have put me on either side of that line for that uh-huh. statement that you just said. And I look back on that and I'm like, man, if my dad wasn't there trying his hardest,
1: mm-hmm. like – might
2: uh you know what I mean? I it might know. be a
1: different story. You might you probably wouldn't be on the podcast, right?
2: No, not, not this one anyway.
1: <laughs> that's awesome, brother. Well, I wanted to ask you, Jeremy. So you talked about your relationship with your dad growing up and stuff that like that. Um, how is your mother and father's interaction? I always ask that because I feel that's that's important because our dynamic as husband and wife, right? Even if they're separated right? How they respond and react to each other shows our kids so much more than just two parents just bickering and fighting with each other. You know, we're actually teaching them how to respond to the opposite sex, you know what I mean? Have relationships mm. ourselves. So how was their relationship? Mm. And how did they? Um,
2: <laughs> Well, it was not not great. Um, uh-huh. I don't really remember a whole lot of when they were together. Honestly, I okay. mean, I got some some vague memories of like family vacations and stuff that I think were fun, at least for us. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, me and my brother. Uh, But, you know, I I really, I don't really remember my mom and dad. And I think I remember a couple fights like the year before their divorce, but I don't really remember my mom and dad interacting with each other. Um, I remember them trying to interact with each other after the divorce and it not going well at all. Mm -hmm. Um, You know? So, I mean, that, I don't really have a whole lot of, uh, Uh perspective as far as like how my, my mother and father interact with each other. But, um, you know, who I looked to instead was, uh, my, my grand and soup, my grandma and grandpa, they Mm -hmm. were my mom's parents. And, uh, they ran a motorcycle shop together. And Mm -hmm. I mean, they worked together, they lived together, they rode motorcycles in their spare time together. They, they, Loved each other. They were best friends. They joked around. They laughed. They made look and they made being in a relationship look like so much fun that mm-hmm. I think it might have been the only thing that made me not give up on wanting one.
1: Wow, man, that's awesome to hear you say that, dude. That mm-hmm. you actually longed for that and that you sought for that, and you saw that in your grandparents. I mean, that's awesome. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> even at that young age and stuff like that, you're able to recognize what a bad relationship looks like you know and i Mm -hmm. think a lot of kids know that you know even for me myself um my kids know when mama and me are fighting Mm -hmm. you know they're like on eggshells they're kind of like looking at me with those those eyes like is everything okay or whatever you know what i mean because you you know all that fighting and bickering changes the atmosphere
2: yeah 100 percent. i mean like I growing up, man, I don't even really recall being around very many good relationships from adults, period. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why I say I I actually talk about my my grand and suits relationship quite frequently um, Mm -hmm. in my personal life uh, with my wife and my kids and everybody, because it really was something that gave me hope in life. Because, I mean, literally most of the adults that I knew, they just arguing with their wives all the time, talking trash in their wives behind their back. That's one of the mm-hmm. things that kind of irritated me when I w- worked in the oil field and did that that blue collar work and was out in the field with those type of guys is like it was like a common theme is everybody's kind of trash talking their wife their wife back home and it's kind of always baffled me. It's like you know mm-hmm. I, mean, I didn't have a good relationship at the time, and i and I still wasn't participating in that. It's like, wow, yeah, you know it's like how, how can you not notice you're part of the problem if you're not
3: here <laughs> right <laughs> but, exactly
2: um just having them to look to, was, you know, so Mm -hmm. helpful because again, like I said, it was, it was very uncommon. I mean, I I think every single one of my friends' parents were divorced, like, you know, and then the people that I did know that were together, I remember being at their houses and hearing them fight with each other. Mm -hmm. So um, to have my grandparents and have them to look up to, and we spent every other Saturday night at their house as kids. And then Mm -hmm. uh, as a teenager in high school, and then into my early twenties, I worked at their motorcycle shop the whole, my, that whole chapter of my life. Um, mm-hmm. every day 40 to 50 hours a week so i had a really front row seat to like that relationship and um you know now my wife and i we run this business together we work together we live together we work out together we raise our kids together and we're having a blast and um you know we argue and, and bicker because i remember grand soup weren't perfect they fought but yeah. i always remember how they would recover from the fight too you mm-hmm. know uh my my soup is in his seventies, and he'll still smack my grandma on the ass and call her baby, and I just think that's <laughs> freaking awesome, you know? I mean? Yeah, that it's is really awesome. full of people. So, um, right, you know, yeah, that's that's kind of where my my relationship perspective comes from. I found the only good example I could and looked up to it, I
1: guess. And grabbed the holder and ran with it, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> win, baby, just win. Um, I wanted to ask you, Jeremy. Now, how long have you been married to your wife now?
2: Um. So, well, I got to be 100,000% transparent. <laughs> we actually aren't legally married yet. Oh, okay. um, we're just 1,000% committed to each other. I mean, she's my full-blown business partner. Um, oh, yeah. And we just call each other husband and wife um, because I'm not going anywhere. She's not going anywhere. And the marriage is definitely happening. Um, but we've been together for going on three years now.
1: Okay. Okay, man. You guys so, have been through a lot, seems like, with the, the whole business and everything like that. I know that ain't an easy task to to take on, you know, especially transferring from blue collar work where, you know, you have a steady paycheck, you're, you're making that good money. You know what I mean? Into your own business, you know, that, that had to be hard, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, it was definitely scary, but, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, so I started my business, um, in 2020, well, 2019, 2020. Um, and I actually, I was still in my previous relationship with my ex, um, I'd been with for like eight years and uh but the only reason that that relationship really kind of lasted so long was because I was gone all the time um uh-huh. you know, so like in eight years in, in however many years we spent like one year worth of days together <laughs> you know wow. what I mean um yeah. so but when I got out and I started my business it just couldn't have been more apparent how bad our personalities actually clashed with each other mm-hmm. um and how, and how much we definitely weren't going to get along if I was going to be running a business from inside of our house, (laughs) you know what I mean? She definitely wasn't the person that I could have this dynamic with. Um, And because of looking up to my granite soup so much growing up, this is what I knew I wanted out of my life. Yeah. You know? Um, So I decided to to cut ties there. And I mean, you know, and that in and of itself is, is a scary thing. And we, I was going, I was about to turn 30 years old. I'd been with one woman my whole life. doing Mm -hmm. this blue collar work stuff my whole life. I was maybe six months into business on my own, full time Mm -hmm. with this being my only source of income um when I broke things off with her. And then um I met my wife not very long after that. And um we just everything kind of just rolled because it all just meshed. And um it was probably six months before she quit her job to start helping me with the business. And Mm everything else. And it's just been, I mean, I've never, (laughs) it's hard to say this, without tearing up a little bit sometimes, but I've, I've literally never in my life felt like I had someone care for me Mm. the way that she does. I mean, this woman does nothing but support my dreams, like a hundred thousand percent. And, um, you know, I'm a technologically illiterate roughneck who managed to figure out how to start an online business, because I'm literally just too stubborn to stop working and I would work like 18 hours a day in front of my computer, uh, you know, until my eyes were bloodshot and I couldn't hold them open anymore. And um, if money was tight and I, the business wasn't making enough money, then I would go drive for Uber until all the bars closed down, get like literally zero sleep and then wake up and start working on the business. The next day, just to get you know pay for groceries and my bills and everything, and while I got this rolling, and um, that's what it took to get it going. But you know, I met her, and she was actually a data entry technician at a pharmacy for like twelve years, so she can type super fast. She's been sitting in front of a computer doing this stuff, and Mm -hmm. um, you know, and she also has had her own um amazing transformation. She's lost over a hundred pounds, um, and transformed her own physique, so she understands the you know uh the power behind what we're doing um mm-hmm. through her own life and her own journey so that like she has a lot of passion for what we're doing too so that makes her you know really pour herself into it just as much as i mm-hmm. do um if not even more sometimes honestly and yeah. she took what used to take me 18 hours a day and helped me boil that down into literally like two hours so now nice. we're able to grow in all these other directions whereas before i was just like glued to this computer screen and couldn't uh <laughs>
1: you know are gonna get it going finger yeah. w- two finger yeah. typing and stuff like that yep i know yep. what you're talking about man that's really cool that you said that she supported you you know supported your dream um i know a lot of women especially line wives out there right they support their husbands. they stay home you know my wife did the same thing they pretty much give up on their dreams so we can go out and do our dream right which is to support our family, you know, make a lot of money yeah. and stuff like that, right? And mm-hmm. create a better life. Now, with that being said, you know, for a lot of people out there, a lot of couples, sometimes when your dream becomes your spouse's nightmare, it's time to reassess the dream, right? And it mm-hmm. seems like you guys are right on the same page. You know, you know, the Bible says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? And it looks like you guys are in agreement with everything. And that's why it's going great for you guys you know a hundred thousand percent man
2: i mean and that's and and what you said about like if you're you know your your dream becomes your spouse's nightmare Mm -hmm. it's time to to reassess your dream um this might sound kind of harsh but Mm -hmm. i would encourage some people it might be time to reassess your spouse too Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. i mean not if you have kids i mean definitely a a more tricky situation but to the younger to the younger blue collar guys out there that are trying to to break out and, and, you know, you do want a family and things, if things are really rocky now and, mm-hmm. and you're trying to chase after a dream and you, and you guys can't agree on the dream and mm-hmm. it's nothing but tension. And you try that for so many years in a row, then, you know, maybe it's not. And, and the next thing waiting is probably what God's had in store for you the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's the, the lesson behind my, how I kind of round about got to
1: where I am. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, You mentioned you had three kids, right? Yes. So those three kids, those are uh, from your second spouse, correct? Or your your correct, correct, yes, yes. Okay. Yes, I didn't have any
2: kids with my first spouse.
1: Okay. Now,
2: my first first girlfriend. Sorry.
1: First girlfriend. (laughs) Yes. So
2: long-term girlfriend.
1: The (laughs) long-term girlfriend, right? Now, with that being said, becoming a dad, right? Because you became literally a dad you know, in this, in this new relationship that you're in Mm -hmm. right now. How did that, how was that transition? How did that affect you? Like, what did you have to give up on or like, or not give up on? And what did you start having to do? Like, how did it start? So,
2: I mean, it was definitely a a weird transition and it, it kind of felt like it happened all at once for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, because now I have a, a three month old daughter, Um, so I have the experience of becoming a stepdad and the experience of becoming a a dad. And, um, and you know, when you are about to have uh, a kid and your wife's pregnant and you've got this nine month period of like thinking to yourself, what's this kid going to look like? What are they going to act like? What's it going to feel like when I hold like you, you have a whole runway of time to like kind of amp yourself up to almost like i hate to compare it to something so whatever but like you're like you're about to go on a vacation to somewhere you've never been Mm -hmm. but you can kind of start to build up that experience in your mind when you become a stepdad and you really didn't have like huge intentions of becoming a stepdad that whole part gets skipped Mm -hmm. and you know and when i met my wife and i fell in love with her Mm -hmm. i simultaneously fell in love with her kids um, wow. I've, I met her kids, you know, pretty, pretty early into our relationship, but her and I had talked about it and me coming from, uh, divorce n- and knowing what it's like having my parents dating people and people, you know, kind of coming in and out of my life and staying in my life and not, and whatever. Um, I know I remember that, uh, from the kid's perspective. So, you know, mm-hmm. I was very like, are you sure that you're ready for me to meet them? Like. Cause I'm, I don't want to come in here and then you decide three months from now that you don't like me and they do, and I like them. So, you know, um, so I was trying to avoid all that, but like, there was never any of that. And, um, you know, uh, the oldest is 14 now, uh, youngest is 10. And I mean, dude, they're, they're my buddies, man. Like, uh, the oldest, he is just all about lifting weights and working out. He got into it last year with me. And ever since it's just like, he's been bit by the bug. And it's pretty cool because he's just like I was, man. He's not into sports, really. I was mm-hmm. not an athlete per se, but the no. very first time I ever grabbed a dumbbell, man, I was addicted to lifting weights for no reason other than just to lift. And, um, you know, it was kind of a, an oxymoron to not to be like, I was actually a drummer in the band, <laughs> and but uh-huh. I, <laughs> I was working out with the football players um, and my son's kind of doing the same thing now. Uh, he's not in the band, but, you know he's just a really smart kid and he's into video games and he does a little bit of crypto trading on his own and stuff too. Uh, Mm -hmm. But he's really into working out and lifting weights and taking care of his body as well. And I just think that's, that's super cool um, to see him and to know that I'm influencing those good, healthy habits into his life. um, Mm -hmm. It's such a good feeling. And then, um, you know, with the 10 year old man, he's funny because, you know, I I watch that kid and I, I look at him and sometimes it's like, are you sure you're not mine? (laughs) Because, (laughs) you know, he just, uh, he's kind of same, like, you know, a little smart alecky attitude that I had when I was that age. And he's not afraid to, you know, give it back to me a little bit sometimes. And, and, you know, it can be a little bit fresh. I mean, it's, I definitely catch myself thinking like, you know, if this, if, if he were mine biologically, this dynamic would definitely be the same. Maybe even a little bit worse because I'd probably be getting it back even harder.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But
2: uh, yeah, I, lo- I love being a dad, man. It's it's my favorite thing I've ever done. I, I um, as far as like things I've had to give up, mm-hmm. I my life has been such a drastic transition from the oil field to here over mm-hmm. from 2019 to now. Plus, Corona came through and changed the world the way that it yeah. did. Um, that to like go through and sort out what I've had to give up because of becoming a dad and what I've had to give up because of becoming an entrepreneur and what I've had to give up because of yeah like, I, it would all just get, you know mixed together but um, it doesn't feel like I've had to give anything up and mm-hmm. I think that's such a huge parallel to I'm gonna get into for one second why I love fitness and what I do so much because to me fitness mm-hmm. is a direct metaphor for literally every single thing in our lives right. Yeah. And when we're looking at somebody who's overweight and they want to start a fitness journey, you're, you're standing on, on the side of the door where you haven't started the, the journey even at all yet. And you're looking at all the things that you're going to have to do and all the things you're going to have to give up, right? And I say give up with air quotes because mm-hmm. it's not – I hate that everybody views it as you're giving something up. Yeah. Um, and I use, for me, it was like alcohol. I loved alcohol, man. I was, I drank like a fish from the time I was probably, I don't know, 14 until <laughs> I, till I was 22, 21. Um, and then even after I was 21, when I slowed down, I still loved me a good whiskey and, you know, a beer or two here and there, you know, well, yeah. I say here and there, like one beer a night instead of one case of beer a night. Um, right. like I was in my, you know, young years. And, uh, I used to always think, man, I don't want to give up alcohol. I don't want to give up alcohol. I don't want to give up alcohol. Now looking back, I don't. I drink like maybe four glasses of whiskey a year now, and that's just because when I go visit my dad, he's got bottles of whiskey that cost more than my my car. So I'm gonna yeah. have a glass of that
1: when I go. Yeah, you wow. turn that one down. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> but um, you know, I I don't feel like I gave up alcohol. I felt mm-hmm. like alcohol was actually I was allowing alcohol to force me to give up this life that I didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it, I feel like if I, if there was anything that I had in the moment when I was maybe sacrificing something, I probably did have times where I felt like, man, this is going to suck to have to give this up. But right afterwards, the feeling of, you know, what happened on the other side of that sacrifice was so great that I don't even remember what I sacrificed anymore.
1: Mm. Yeah, you it's know. good to see that. Yeah, that pleasure experience now outweighs what you gave up in the past. You know what I mean. But in order yeah. to get there, you had to give that up because we're one be? hundred percent. I mean, you know? and
2: it's like that—the fear thing, right? Like I think yeah. everybody's just so afraid to give up on like all these things because alcohol is still another great example. Yeah. I mean, as blue collar men, a mm-hmm. lot of us, we we identify. Mm -hmm. with how much beer we can drink i mean i used to literally brag about being able to drink more beer than all my friends Mm
0: -hmm.
2: yeah and it would be a competition to see literally who could drink more beer and it's like looking back now man that was a whole piece of my identity um yeah you know so much so that like one of the things that we're doing with blue collar transformations is we started a clothing line called transform your habits we have all these shirts that have our logo um, but it's like a core, this is a Coors light can, but it's oh, our yeah. logo. So we have a bunch of, we have all the like mainstream beers. We did a Copenhagen, uh, you know, parody logo, stuff like that. We're calling it change your habits because, you know, blue collar men, we all identify with these super unhealthy habits Yeah, and we're afraid to give those up because we're like, man, what is, what, who am I even without this mm. stuff? And And that's what it feels like so much sometimes, but I can tell you who you are without that stuff is your own best friend and somebody that you didn't even believe was possible to exist Mm -hmm. in this world. I mean, I I wake up almost every single day and look around. Even, you know, I have a three month old daughter and and she just so happens to be sick right now. So, you Mm -hmm. know, as a dad yourself, you know, I don't have to tell you how much sleep how much sleep we're getting. And even in this situation, I wake up in the morning and as soon as I, you know, gather my thoughts and look around, I'm like, I can't believe this is my life. If you would have told me four or five years ago that I would be doing this for a living and I'd have Mm -hmm. a relationship this good, I would have kids this amazing, all this stuff, I would have never believed it in a million years. And it was all just because I literally decided to say, you know what, I'm going to not be afraid. I'm going to trust in God. And because I've always kind of felt like I've had this calling in me um, to, to do this. Um, I've wanted to be a personal trainer since I was 19 years old. Took yeah. me until I was 20. Took me until I was 29 to do it. Wow. Uh, but it's because God had to take me through that blue collar route mm-hmm. to show me who my people were to help mm-hmm. with with being a personal trainer. He knew I wasn't supposed to just go be the guy that stood in the gym in a polo shirt in yeah. the corner and and counted somebody's reps.
1: Yeah, you exactly. Know,
2: that that wasn't the path I was supposed to take. <laughs>
1: And I think that's awesome, too, because not only did you find your tribe, you have to go through, like you said, what you did in order to be relational. You know what I mean? No Mm -hmm. one wants to listen to a guy who doesn't know what it's like to work 80 or 90 hours or or have to deal with habits, like you say, you know, the drinking, the Copenhagen and all that stuff, right? They don't know about Mm -hmm. that because why they're too busy, you know, and nothing against them. They have their own tribe, right? but you can relate to the blue collar dad. You can reach out to the blue collar dad. You reached out to me. I mean, I I saw your stuff. I love what you're doing. And I was like, man, I need to talk to that guy. You know what I'm saying? But uh, no, that's, that's frigging awesome, dude. Now you talked about how this is your passion, your love, all these different things. What influenced you to want to work out? Like did your dad show (laughs) you about working out or like, how did, how did that come to be,
2: bro? Actually, no, not at all. My dad jokes Uh, all the time when he introduces me to people, um, because, you know, uh, they'll look at him and they kind of look at me and, um, you know, make make some jokes sometimes mm because my dad's not in the greatest shape. Um, but he does, he does walk every day and exercise and he watches what he eats and he does, he he does a pretty good job. He's, he's lost, um, I want to say like 80 pounds over, over the course of like five years, um, so Fair you know, but he so he's doing doing his thing, but and he was always conscious of it. He was always trying. So mm-hmm. I at least had like you know he was in my ear about like you know it's important, uh, but you know he wasn't executing well, and and he knows that. But yeah. um, he'll tell everybody he he that I figured out how to beat our genetics. <laughs> <This> is the <laughs> joke? That he makes. Yeah, yeah. So um, but what actually inspired me to work out is uh like i mentioned a little bit ago i'm only five foot three yeah so uh and i was i was actually a fat kid in high school so being five foot three and a fat kid in high school is not a fun existence i got bullied i got beat up i got picked on um so bad that a kid literally came into the bathroom one time um oh, whipped, whipped his thing out and pissed all over me
0: wow. while i was
2: standing there i mean that that's how bad i got bullied um and i'm not saying that to victimize myself but like that's uh-huh. what when that was the final straw for me, because, like I stood there while that kid did that, totally frozen and and scared, and yeah. didn't know what to do while he laughed. And then I went back to the classroom, and the girl that was sitting, the cheerleader that was sitting in front of me, uh, after I told the teacher what had happened, he told me I couldn't go to the office. Oh, <laughs> and man. then I sat back down at my desk, and the cheerleader in front of me said, "Ooh, he smells like pee." And, uh, and then the whole classroom laughed. Oh, uh, so. My uncle lived right over the hill from us, and uh, Mm. we lived in the middle of nowhere, and uh, there was like a hill that separated my house from my uncle's house, and I walked over there. My uncle was in pretty good, was in really good shape, actually, Uh, had a little gym in his garage, and I looked up the Arnold Schwarzenegger big time, he had pictures of Arnold all over his garage, so Mm. I walked over there, I said, can you teach me how to work out? And he said, absolutely, and uh, we started working out together. And so that was kind of like my introduction to it, but I, I do remember that first mm-hmm. little workout there in his garage and the feeling of getting a pump um, and the feeling of pushing myself through physical pain Yeah. on purpose.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, I, and there was something about that for me. Mm-hmm. And what I've realized today and the reason why I love what I do so much is because it's simple. When I go to the gym every morning,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I'm framing my mind for the rest of the day. I'm framing my my mind and my body for the rest of the day to remind my body that I'm in charge. yeah, And to remind my mind that I'm in charge. Because when you go get, you know, like the level that I'm doing it at now, when I go show up on, you know, tomorrow morning, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to put 385 pounds on my back and I'm going to squat until I almost puke in a garbage can. Yeah. And people say, why would you do that? And I, and it's literally to, to remind myself that I can do it
0: mm.
2: because then no matter what else happens, the rest of that day that comes at me, there's things that are beyond my control. I can go back to that almost 400 pound bar on my back. And it gives me the confidence to know that this is nothing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that may sound stupid to a lot of people, but if you've ever intentionally pushed yourself that hard yeah it gives you a perspective of what your mind is capable of that you can't get from anything other than physically pushing yourself that hard
1: no i totally agree with you jeremy on that um i used, i remember just running that hard you know what i mean you know just to go on a 14 mile run or whatever or even a hike or whatever just pushing yourself just because why you know i had yeah um i'd work a 16 hour day when i was pushing a crew and the joke was, David's going to go, I'd run five miles a day, right? Every day. And the joke was, well, David's, you know, going to go for a run and he's not even running away from the cops. You know what I mean? It was kind of <laughs> like a, a joke. They're like, why would you go run? You know? And it's like, I want to be able to push myself. I want to know that I still got it, you know, being yeah. the military and stuff like that. So I could, I, I could agree with you on that. And it's something about it. Even now to where, I'm an instructor, you know, and I I teach the next generation coming up, how to be linemen, you know, or future linemen, you know, a lot of times I put on my tools and I'll climb just to say, Hey, you know, I still got it. And I still can do this. I can still do it. I can still do it. You know what I mean? Cause these guys are younger, you know, they're younger, they're hungry and stuff like that, dude, I'm 44 years old. You know, um, I retired when I was 42 and then I came back in a different, uh, perspective into this trade, uh, being an instructor now, which I absolutely mm-hmm. love. And I get to talk to a bunch of young men out there and influence them and, and meet a lot of different people. So it's pretty awesome, you know? Yeah. Can
2: I just say real quick that I yeah. absolutely respect the hell out of what you're doing here and the fact that you are an instructor for, for linemen, somebody that has this perspective as a leader, because one of the biggest complaints that I've always had about mm-hmm. just blue collar work in general. But, I mean, you know, where I come from, the oil field, a lot of the leaders, man, they're just so hardened and bitter from the years of, like, torture just <laughs> torture on their body. You know, and tor- yeah, exactly, yeah. torture. But it's, like, also, you got all us young, hungry guys coming in. Mm-hmm. And, man, like, if you're not careful, your hope can get crushed real fast. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've always kind of – said like we need more leaders that are giving these young kids coming into these trades hope that it yes. that their road isn't just leading to like alcoholism and diabetes
1: right <laughs> that's <what's... laughs> yeah that's what's so. you know out there for a lot of them if they continue their habits you know what i mean unfortunately yeah you know um they don't correct yeah. those habits but uh, i appreciate that i really do man I, I really appreciate that that's uh that's what we're going for we're called out here to to restore hope to bring hope you know um yeah.
0: Absolutely.
1: So we talked about your your dad, you know, and, and you know your uncle, how he influenced you and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Now with that being said, what kind of advice do you have for like a young family dad to be more conscious about his health? Like what would you say to that guy?
2: So, I mean, honestly, obviously that that depends on like where's he at right yeah. now with it. You know what I mean? But um th- there's five there's five core things, um, or well, really three core things that I that I go through with all of my clients that no matter where they're at can always help anybody, right? And it's yeah. getting in at least 45 minutes of, of resistance training a day. And that can be weights, that can be resistance bands. Um, you know, you can get creative. I've had dudes like wrapping parts in t-shirts and curling them and you know, using tie downs as like TRX bands to do body weight stuff. But, you know, you can get creative with that and have fun with that if you want, but at least 45 minutes of resistance training and then uh, a gallon of water every day and, and tracking your food, get, get a, a tracking app to track your food with, learn how many calories a day you need to be consuming for whatever your goal is, whether that's weight loss, whether it's maintenance, just so you can have enough energy. I mean, maybe you're somebody who's happy with where you're at, but you have no energy and you feel like shit. Um, Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily need to you know, lose weight, but hardly anybody out there in the fitness industry talks about what does a guy like that need to do? Yeah. Because most of the time guys like that aren't really out there talking about their problems. And even if they did, people would be like, who cares? Right. Mm -hmm. Look at you. Um, so, you know, but tracking your food, uh, drinking a gallon of water and moving under resistance for 45 minutes a day are going to do wonders for anybody, no matter where they're at.
1: Mm-hmm. I think um, a lot of times too, like the blue collar dads, you know, being that our jobs are really uh, pretty physical, right? So I yeah. think they got that covered as far as the the physical aspect of it, you know, um, drinking of water. Yeah, I could see that. I, I drink a, a gallon a day and I, I definitely see the difference and I've always done that. Um, but uh, yeah, that's definitely one because I know when I was working a lot, especially in the cold, you don't drink a lot of water when it's frigging freezing yeah. cold and you're on a steel structure yep. building power line. You know what I mean? You're not, you, That's the last thing you want to do is drink. And I remember I've, I've cramping up. I've worked you know some what winters mean? in
2: North Dakota, man. I know all about this.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah, dude. It, you don't drink enough water. So, yeah, heck yeah, yeah, definitely water. And then the third you said was track your macros. Um, yeah, yeah. How hard, I mean, how, I mean, I'm just thinking about it now because tracking macros, you know, I, I tried that. Um, and, you know, you definitely get into a rhythm where you want to start tracking everything, right? But like, mm-hmm. say for instance, someone who is working from structure to structure, you know, is mm-hmm. it better to like plan out the meal and like already have your macros planned out? I mean, because it'd be well, kind of hard, you know, especially like- So, I'll, the,
2: well, I'll just break it down because now we're getting into exactly what I do and yeah. kind of why wow, I do it really. Um, so what I did is I kind of reverse engineered the whole tracking your macros thing. Okay. okay. Um, because it can kind of be overwhelming if you've never looked at it before. And especially when you throw in yeah. all these obstacles, like working work and structure to structure, being up in a bucket all day and not having food, stuff like that. It's like, how do you, I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to learn
3: mm-hmm. if you're
2: sitting at a desk all day. Yeah. It's an even harder thing to learn when you're 90 feet in the air. So, what I do is I have, um, you know, a consultation call with them, obviously, where I uh, yeah. I get I get a feel for like what's what is this guy's particular situation and struggle, right? Mm-hmm. And then once we have all that together, then I write them a meal plan okay. that works around that. And I sit down and I do all that brain work of figuring out how to overcome those obstacles, right? Uh-huh. And and then I and then I deliver them that plan and I say, okay here's your game plan. We're going to use this plan like training wheels. Okay. So this is what perfect looks like. Now I want you to do the best you possibly can to execute on this for the next two weeks.
0: Mm -hmm. If there's
2: anything that you're, that you think you're not going to be able to execute on, or you're really consistently struggling with out of the gate, I'm here for you to communicate with me. I have my own app that all my clients communicate with me through um, Mm there, where they track their food and their workouts right in there. So I have access to like seeing all of that every day. And That way, through those two weeks, we get um, even a more clear picture of like, okay, where are you screwing up? Where What's the hangout for you still? And then we, we build from there, right? And then mm-hmm. I start to teach them what, what are the best backup plans to have in place? What's the best go-to thing to grab in your area based off of what your options normally are? What are some things you can keep in your truck that are gonna always be good and there for you? What are the right supplements that you can take to fill in the gaps mm-hmm. that you can't get with real food. How do you pick a good protein powder versus a bad protein powder? Or maybe it's not even good or bad. It's like, but there are meal replacement protein powders and there's workout recovery protein powders. Yeah. Um, you know, why do those exist and when's the best time to use both of those things in your circumstance? So there's a lot of moving cool. parts to all of that. And that's, I mean, that's why I have a job. Right? Yeah, no, <laughs> um, that's why
1: you do it, you know?
2: Yeah. So, but, with so with the, to answer your question uh, where to start with that i mean I, I mean i hate to just totally plug my stuff but i mean you get a hold of me or, yeah. or or try to find somebody else like me that can help you because I'll take it from someone who tried who put this together the hard way yeah. i mean it took me th- it took me 3 years to accomplish mm-hmm. what realistically should have been like a 4 month transformation mm-hmm.
1: And the cool thing too, Jeremy, is like, you're not like, I mean, everybody has their own program. Everybody does their stuff, right? And they have results. You look at them. I mean, you got, you know, I don't want to really put out so many names out there, but there's guys out there that are physically fit. They're they're looking good. They got the Lamborghinis. They got this and that, you know, neck blasted, whatever, right? And that looks cool, right? Yeah. To some people. Now, with that being said, has that person ever worked a blue-collar job? Does he know how it's like to be a, a lineman? Does he know what it's like to work 80, 90 hours a week? No. And that's where yeah. you come in. And that's awesome, dude, because you can help those guys out there that, you know, are working those jobs yeah, well, And they want to make those I tests. mean, and,
2: and, and that's what this was born out of, man. So, yeah. you know, I told you my story about how I found the gym when I was in high school because of, of being bullied and wanting to put an end to that. That kind of, I got bit by that bug and then I spent the next, you know, however many years kind of daydreaming about becoming a bodybuilder Mm -hmm. one day, um, just because I thought, like, oh, well, if I look like this, then nobody's ever going to want to mess with me. Right. Um, you know, but then, uh, you know, your why transforms as you get older and stuff. Uh, but I did end up doing some bodybuilding competing on stage and I I fell in love with it. That's kind of what made me want to become a personal trainer, but I was Mm -hmm. a DNF student all the way through school, man. I flunked every test I ever took, him, uh, except for the ones I cheated on. And, um, you know, so then trying to take the personal trainer test when I was young, I failed it. Then I, so yeah. I just said, screw this, off of the oil field we go, basically. And um, went and did that and then circled back around and was able to pass. But the reason I circled back around and came to this was because I had bodybuilding coaches when I was mm-hmm. training for bodybuilding. And I was working 40 hours a week at my grandparents' motorcycle shop. My house was six minutes from there. The gym was 10 minutes from there. It was very – it wasn't neat. easy. It was a shit ton of hard work. But it was definitely were not as many obstacles as living in a hotel room or a man camp. or working 87 and a half hours a week and, yeah. you know, never knowing what county I was going to wake up in tomorrow. So um, when I – after two years in the oil field, I gained all my weight back. I did not look like a bodybuilder anymore. I was overweight. I was miserable. I hated what I looked like in the mirror. I hated how I felt. I remember mm-hmm. I went to put on my uh, Ariat fire resistant jeans, which um, I don't know if you guys have to wear FR stuff, yeah. but we did. And so you know how expensive that stuff is. And uh, I, I had a pair that I'd bought and that I, you know, was like excited to wear. And I didn't, I hadn't worn them because I bought them like at the beginning of my two weeks off. Mm-hmm. And over the two weeks off, I just ate like a bunch of shit and then <laughs> went mm-hmm. back to work and those pants already didn't fit. And I was like, oh, oh man. And that was kind of like one of those wake up calls. So I went and looked in the mirror and I was like, oh wow, this is actually really, really out of hand. Um, I need to do something about it. So I called my old bodybuilding coach. I talked to some other people um, mm-hmm. and they all kind of told me the same thing. It's impossible. It is impossible for you to do that with the lifestyle that you have. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, it can't be impossible because I can't quit this job and I can't live looking like this. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go figure it out. And, um, I tried, I I did find a few coaches that said they could do it and then took my money and disappeared. So that frustrated me. And, um, you know, and and when when I say they took my money and disappeared, they took my money tried as hard as they could to help me, And then, when they couldn't, just stopped
3: answering
1: the phone. (laughs) They ghosted you.
3: (laughs) So
2: I was like, all right, well, here we go. Um, So then, like I said, I just struggled through it on my own until slowly but surely I finally got there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, once that happened, I had, you know, three or four buddies on the rig with me that all were asking me questions like, man, how, how did you do this? I can't believe you accomplished this out here. This is crazy. Will you teach me? So I started showing some of those guys the ropes, how to do it. And they started getting good results. And one of them said to me one day, man, I dude, I've tried literally everything. Mm-hmm. He said, I've tried so many things. I've worked with other guys out here that claimed that they could help me do this. And uh he's like, No one could. He's like, but you did. And that's when I kind of was like, I need to I need to do something with this outside of just this yeah. crew of people right here. Um, so it's kind of how I got here was because I I went through it and realized Mm -hmm. there was nobody. And once I figured out how to do it for me, I was like, okay, well, there needs to be somebody to show these people how to do it. Because to be quite honest with you, the reason why I told you why I have so much respect for what you do Mm -hmm. is because I am really, really, really sick and tired of watching the hardest working men in this country. Their lives just completely fall apart.
1: Yeah.
3: I agree. I'm, I'm
2: so tired of it. Because I remember being that young, hungry kid standing in my first oil field safety meeting. Couldn't believe that I landed a six-figure-a-year job as someone who almost dropped out of high school. Mm-hmm. You know, couldn't believe I was going to make more money than all my siblings who all went to college. Yeah, And, like, you know, I was going to do all this great stuff. And I'm excited and I'm hungry and I'm and I want to climb the ladder and I want to do all these things. And not three months in, I'm... The I'm so pessimistic I can't even hardly stand it because mm-hmm. all I'm hearing about from everyone around me is how my girlfriend's gonna cheat on me. Yeah. Um. You know I talked about having dreams of owning the gym one day and they all said, "Ha ha, good luck with that. This place is a black hole. You ain't ever gonna leave." Mm-hmm. And it was just that same narrative all throughout, and it used to make me mad. Yeah. And now it just breaks my heart
1: mm-hmm.
2: because I'm like, man. You guys, none of you guys were always like this. No. You know, and, and, and I think that goes back to being a good dad more than anything else. Because, you know, I mean, me and my wife,
3: mm-hmm.
2: we laugh hysterically almost every day, at least once a day with our kids. Mm-hmm. Because we have no problem just goofing off and acting just like them. We're not too miserable to do it. Yeah, You know, I'm not so drained from getting beat, you know, yelled at all day or just being told this miserableness and my body doesn't hurt and ache. And it's because I learned how and figured out how to take care of myself, you know? And, um, I know that I thought I wasn't a dad when I worked in the oil field, but, you know, I did get my body back before I left the oil field and I could tell you just simple things like being able to tie your shoes without having to take a big gasp of air before you bend over to do it. Yeah. Things that, you know, you take for granted and um, you just think because you're working so hard physically every day that that stuff's not going to catch up with you because you're young and then alcohol and preservatives and chemicals and all this crap that's in our food that they don't tell us is in our food. Yep. literally reach so much havoc on your metabolism mm. you could work your ass in the dirt all day long and still get fat Yep, it is possible it happened to me <laughs> so
1: energy you know, drinks i mean my gosh dude the yeah, sugar's in 100%. that
2: absolutely man i mean sugar is the cause of 80 percent of disease on this planet Yep. i mean it's and it's great because it's in everything i mean it's just mm. totally normal i mean we It's what we do with our kids on Friday night. Like we take them to go get sugar. Yeah. So.
1: And and it's crazy, dude, because I see like I have a friend of mine, guys on a diet, you know, he wants to be better for his kids. He wants to be better so he could feel better and everything, right? Because it does. The way we feel about ourselves affects everything. It affects our relationships. It affects our work. It affects our sleep. It affects everything, right? It's 100%. Crazy. I always have
2: this analogy that I use um, in a lot of my content and with with my clients. Mm -hmm. Our bodies are the piece of equipment that we get to operate through life with. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you are, you know, I work with a lot of pipeline operators and those guys sitting in excavators, trackers all day long. And, you know, they operate that machine to do a job. But as the operator of that machine, the daily routine maintenance is a part of their responsibility as the operator. And if mm-hmm. you start skipping on that maintenance, that machine is not going to perform as you, you know, as effectively as you need it to. Yeah. And, you know, one of the ironic things with, you know, blue collar guys not taking care of themselves. A lot of times they say they don't have time because of their job. Mm-hmm. We're doing out of time because you're not doing this routine maintenance and your machine is about to blow up. Mm-hmm you know or it's going to blow up a lot sooner because you're not taking care of it you know you don't have time you think you don't have time now you're you're burning up what little time you have period by neglecting this stuff yeah and everybody always says it's harder to lose weight as you get older
1: it
3: is
2: it's harder it's harder (laughs) to correct it's harder to correct any problem that you've neglected for a long period of time
1: exactly you know what i mean i mean
2: just just don't sweep your floor for a week Mm -hmm. and it's harder to sweep your floor.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So,
2: you you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of common sense, but yeah, our bodies affect everything we do and Mm -hmm. the, the warning lights from our bodies too are are a lot different than in a machine, right? Because you think that signs of not taking care of your body, are going to show up more first in like physical ailments and physical pain and stuff, but no, that lack of patience that you have with your kids is because of the anxiety you feel because you know that you're not taking care of yourself. Wow. Because every single time you get up in the morning and you go brush your teeth and you look in the mirror and you have to look yourself in your face and you see that and you go, wow, I don't like this. And that's how you start every single day of your life. I mean, how are you going to be, how are you going to be positive? Yeah, how are you? You can, you can try, you can fake it,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but you're never going to be genuinely positive if you wake up and you go look in the mirror and you can't be proud of the person looking back at you and mean it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And you and and regardless of all the other accomplishments you may have accomplished in your life up until this point, yeah, if you're 45, 50 pounds overweight, you're not going to mean it. Yeah. Because we all know that that's not okay.
1: Yeah,
0: In
2: the back of our minds. And I'm saying this as someone who let it get that bad at, point. at multiple mm-hmm. points throughout my life. I've, I've gained and lost my weight more than once. Mm-hmm. You know, I know it's not easy. That's why I do what I do. But, you know, it's just knowing that life is so much better on this end of it mm-hmm. is what makes it all worth it at the end of the day.
1: And what do you really have to lose? You know what I mean? A better life, a longer life, hopefully. You know? Yeah,
2: exactly. I mean, that's the crazy part is it? It really. I can't even really remember mm-hmm. the the way I felt of like. Well, because for me, it mm-hmm. got so bad that I literally was like, "I I will do whatever it takes to not feel like this," mm-hmm. and. I mean, and it just got that bad for me mentally because. I struggled with my weight growing up. It was kind of the source, like you said. Uh, w- w- what you what you're saying, your mess is your message. Yeah, and I, and I always say your pain is your purpose. Mm. Um, you know, I, I have I have a friend who's the same age as me. I'm only 31, and I have a friend who's the same age as me, and uh, he's pretty ridiculously financially successful for our age. Mm. And and he's made all his money in oil and gas, started his own businesses and things. He's a really really hard worker. Um, super smart financially. And uh, that's the guy I go to when I need to talk, when I need advice in that area. And him and I, and he comes to me when he needs advice in, in the fitness area, right? And he's overweight and doesn't take the greatest care of himself, but he's a good guy, good dad, and mm-hmm. super knowledgeable in the financial area. And we talked about him one time. He said, you know, it's super interesting because I was super poor growing up. Mm-hmm. I was dirt floor poor growing up because it was literally the root of my pain growing up was mm-hmm. that like, My parents were so poor, we didn't know when we were going to eat next and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I never, I don't know what that's like. My parents actually did pretty well my whole life. Um, We were financially comfortable. But the source of my pain was just being that short little fat kid that everybody, that nobody respected. that Mm -hmm. Everybody made fun of and beat up and like, you know, so now that's why I do this because Mm -hmm. that was my solution to that pain.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: No, and it's true because a lot of times, a lot of men, you know, just to become a better father, better husband, you know, better in shape, better, whatever, right? You have to come to a point where you say that's enough. Enough is enough, right? Yeah, Unfortunately for, for extreme change to happen, you know? Yeah. Um.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I wanted to ask you, Jeremy, uh, we're running out of time now, but one yeah. thing I wanted to ask you before I get off here is... uh. I had a friend who phoned in and asked me, you know, he, he has all this stuff going on, right? He's working out, he's dieting, he's doing all this stuff, right? His problem is staying disciplined. How can someone stay disciplined, right? Like during the week or whatever, like, what do you suggest? You know, like, what is something that you tell your clients or whatever?
2: So, um, I mean, again, I I would have to hear more of like, what is his exact situation? Where, what what is the cause of, you know, because there's always a cause, right? There's always something that triggers us to break that discipline. Like for me, it's when somebody leaves the
1: Oreos out on the counter, but- Well, it's kind of like that. Uh, Like, (laughs) you know, the the apprentices bring donuts- Or yeah. whatever, you know what I mean. You see these good donuts. You've been good all week, and all of a sudden, oh, I'm, I might taste take one of those. You know what yeah. I mean, or whatever. You know.
2: So, so the thing that I have done that's allowed, like you know, like I told you before, I've gained my weight and then lost it, and then gained it and lost it. But now I've managed to say, you know, I've managed to keep a six pack for the last like two years straight, mm-hmm. and um, while while gaining muscle, actually. But what what's allowed me to do that is I pick times throughout the year, um, and the supplement company that I'm affiliated with um actually runs challenges. So I've just coincided with them with these challenges because it makes it super easy. But there's uh four challenges throughout the year. They're eight weeks long. So mm-hmm. when that eight week challenge, there's one of them going on right now. So when that eight-week challenge rolls around, I'll just buckle in for those eight weeks, right? Mm-hmm. And those eight weeks are are like no bullshit, non-negotiable. You're not cheating. You're not, you're staying disciplined for these eight weeks. Now, the beauty in that is the donuts and the Oreos and and the pizza and all that stuff, they're still going to be there when eight weeks is up. Right. But then you don't want when the eight weeks is over to just go back full blown. Like you're eating that stuff every day again, because that's what everybody's super afraid of. Right. So it's like, we talk about how do we find this balance Mm -hmm. and what has worked well for me and what I've had a lot of success with uh, teaching my clients to do is let's, let's go through this eight, let's go through eight weeks Mm-hmm. And, and let's let's be as hard as we can for eight weeks. And mm-hmm. a lot of the guys that come to me have no problem doing that because the, a lot of these guys are in that position that that we were just talking about. It was like, I, I enough is enough. I've yeah. got to fix this, and I know that this is the first step. So, um, once the eight weeks is up, then we decide on like either a weekly cheat meal, where it's like once a week, you plan a date night with your wife, or a family movie night with your kids, or mm-hmm. or whatever. And you get to have that one cheat meal, right? Mm-hmm. Some guys that like to snack, uh, I'm a guy that likes to snack. So, like, for me, it'll be, like, Friday evening come 5 p.m. All bets are off on what goes in my mouth until I go to bed. But just that night, yeah. that one night a week, right? And then Saturday morning, I'm back up, I'm on it, and not, and, and I'm good, right? And that doesn't mean that I'm not sne- sneaking my kids' snacks off the counter, sliced pepperoni when I make a sandwich for, you know, my son or whatever. Um, I, and I'm not saying I, I should be doing that stuff. I'm saying I'm human and, and that stuff happens. Um, yeah. But when I have those eight, those periods of time where mm-hmm. it's not where Negotiable. I'm saying, Hey, no matter what, you're not slipping up here. Mm-hmm. then that's what allows me to keep my foot on the pedal throughout. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, and I may still slip up, or or somebody may still slip up even during that eight week period, right? Mm-hmm. But the important thing to tell yourself in that is, okay, I messed up. There's nothing I can do about that. You know that that meal I just ate, so I need to get right back on track for the next meal, though. Mm-hmm. And I need to just continue rolling. And, and there's nothing I can do about that meal that I just screwed up. Mm-hmm. And and if you can frame it like that, mm-hmm. you'll space you'll space further and further gaps between the times that you mess up. Mm -hmm. Right. Because Mm -hmm. instead of just, I used to beat myself up so bad. like, Oh, you're an idiot. Why'd you do that? You shouldn't eat that. Right. Because Mm -hmm. for a lot of us, man, we grow up just never being told any of this stuff. We, Literally, you know, the snack cabinet was, was free range and we just went in there and we grabbed a, a bag of chips and, and went to the couch and whatever, you know, maybe it wasn't like every day, right. Like my parents put some limitations on me, but there was no, you know, talk of like what's good for you what's bad for you don't do this don't do that like it was just kind of like here's the food and don't be an asshole about how much of it you eat (laughs) but um, yeah so like that's kind of all we know so if you are in your kitchen and you know your wife just went to the grocery store and you've got all the snacks out on the counter and you know the the bag of peanut butter m&ms is is open Mm -hmm. if you are new to to dieting and the fitness and the eating healthy and you've been eating handfuls of peanut butter M and M's every time you pass the jar, yeah. For your whole life, you are going to do that subconsciously quite a few times before you totally catch yourself before you actually swallow those M and M's. Yeah, you know, and that's not a reason to beat yourself up. I mean, yeah, you know, it's it's literally you don't even notice it, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, I, I've literally, I vividly remember chewing on an Oreo and mm-hmm. being like shit i'm not supposed to do this right now but like it's such a unconscious habit that Mm. we're as humans we just don't even pay attention to it until we start to pay attention to it
1: exactly you know and it's cool to see because even you know those rules you know that you live by right uh, putting those that goal and stuff like that, and then being able to tell yourself, "Hey, man, you messed up. There's nothing I can do about it, dude." Those are universal laws that can be transparent through anything. It could be even 100 uh, used with when you're a dad and you yell at your kids, and you can be like, "Okay, this is what happened. Let's get back mm-hmm. on the horse." And it's yeah, and that goes right
2: back to what I said about my dad at the beginning of the podcast. Yep. You know, I mean, and that's why, I, and and that's why I really mm-hmm. preach fitness as a as a solution to so many other problems. Yeah. You know, you have so many guys, I work with a lot of guys that um, are going through divorces and they call these guys come to me right after getting served their divorce papers. Right. And there's a 50 50 split of the guys that are coming because they're, they're getting divorced and they're going to be back on the market. Right. Mm -hmm. And the other 50%, uh, it's probably actually more like 80, 20, you know, 80% of the guys that are going to go back on the market. Then yeah. you got 20% of these guys that are, that realize they're the freaking problem. Yeah. And they, and, and they're like, I know this is where I need to start.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and I always ask them, why do you, why do you think this is where you need to start? Like we're mm-hmm. just talking about going into a building and picking some things up and putting them back down. Right. So what, we'll, what ties that into why you're getting divorced right now
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and then we start talking about the self-awareness the mental ability to be in control of yourself yeah that is formed that is formed better through dieting than anything else on this planet because think about it food is a drug i mean all, all all the foods that we're not supposed to be eating it's not a secret anymore there's addictive chemicals in these foods that that have been put in there to get us addicted to them Yep. okay, so imagine being a drug addict, you're addicted to you know cocaine, and you gotta you need you got a problem with how much cocaine you do mm-hmm. but instead of being able to just quit doing cocaine and quit being around cocaine, you still need a certain amount of it to live, yeah and you can only have a certain type and by the way, everybody around you is going to continue to do whatever kind of cocaine and however much of it they want, yeah and that's what it's like hmm. being on a diet and when you can break through that when you can be the dude standing in the doghouse on your rig or whatever that place is for you on the line when you're the dude standing there and everybody else is eating pizza and you're eating your your turkey and rice your ground turkey and rice or your chicken breast and potatoes or whatever like hmm. you, you string enough of those days together you will start to develop so much pride in yourself, it's not even funny. And you'll start to see excuses that you're making in other areas of your life that you're like, I cannot believe that I validated that excuse for myself for so long. And there's no faster way to reveal those things about yourself than to, to dedicate yourself to a meal plan and and, and on any type of nutrition regimen. Um, and then if you pair that with a, you know, with a, resist hard resistance training program those two things in and of themselves they they do so much mentally i mean I, I tell people all the time that my the way i look is just a side effect of my antidepressant
1: which is just going to the gym just go to the gym right <laughs> <laughs> well, well jeremy brother right on thank you so much for coming on here and sharing so much valuable information brother i appreciate it man um the big takeaway from this is that self-awareness and discipline brother and that solves a lot of our issues you know but uh, before we get off can you please share how people can reach out to you and get a hold of you if they want to start your program or anything like that which I highly recommend um, please do so thank you
2: yeah so um, the the easiest two ways are going to be to go to bluecollartransformationscom um, mm-hmm. if you're interested in the one-on-one coaching program there's a, there's a link right on the home page there that says apply for coaching you'll fill out that application uh, you'll you'll receive a text message from us to schedule the consultation call with me. Uh, that'll be a free one hour consultation call where we just talk about um, you know what your goals are, where you're at right now, and why you're struggling to reach them. So I can kind of assess you know first of all, can I help you, and second of all, how can I help you? Um, so if that's something you're interested in, that's how you do that. Or you can just reach out to me on Instagram, just DM me on Instagram. Let me know you're interested in the program, um, and those are two fast ways to get a hold of me uh, for that. And then also on the website, we have, you know, apparel available. We started that uh, Transform Your Habits brand that I talked about. Uh, we're starting an apparel company called Blue Collar Gym, which is kind of mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, blue collar guys that are traveling for work. We don't have that like home, home-based gym that guys get to go to where they're, they build camaraderie with people. And uh, we kind of want to build a, a community around this Blue Collar Gym thing online. We just started it. So we're going to build like an online community of blue collar guys that are into fitness um, yeah. so they can come together. So anyway, that's all right there on bluecollartransformation.com. Uh, my Instagram is jeremygbct. Uh, so that's pretty simple to remember. And then I'm also on Facebook just under Jeremy Gardner. And uh just follow my wife too. She's the American bombshell on Instagram.
1: Right on, brother. Well, once again, thank you for coming on here and sharing this valuable information, brother. I look forward to talking to you some more. And uh, thank you for coming on, bro. I appreciate you.
2: Thanks, man. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: This was fun. Absolutely.